0: what did we watch this evening
1: we watched sherlock holmes in washington which is a 1943 film directed by roy william neal who was kind of the uh the equivalent of the showrunner of the Basil rathbone mm-hmm. and sherlock holmes franchise i think he directed uh, all but just a f- couple of them
0: yeah for better or for worse
1: Uh, and I guess I kind of gave it away that this film stars Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce, and I had long been curious about this film, not curious enough to do something rash like actually watch it, but but curious because Sherlock Holmes should not be in Washington, D.C.
0: Can you qualify that dramatic statement, Mr. Greenlee?
1: Sherlock Holmes uh, is a creature of London, Particularly the London of the uh, late 1800s. It's like doing um, putting Mickey Mouse as a detective on Law and Order SVU. The character is not meant to take place in another milieu.
0: There's a lot to unpack there. Um, Let's do
1: it, babe. Let's unpack it. Well,
0: I mean, I'm not going to argue with you. You're obviously much more of a Sherlock Holmes purist. To me, who cares? If it's entertaining, it's entertaining. Go nuts. But uh, I, I see what you mean. But, like, I mean, where's the fun in that? Why, I mean, like, wh- why, why is there going to be rules?
1: I, I think with a character like Holmes or really any uh, iconic character, there's, like, a certain list of things that define what is that character. And to me, one of the essential things about Holmes is the environment and milieu. And you take him out of that environment and milieu, he becomes a different, blander, much less interesting character.
0: And this is, I I know you're not. And this
1: is not just, he's not just out of London, he's also out of his time. This film takes place in the then contemporary world of 1943.
0: You were mad when he went to Scotland in Terror by Night.
1: I was furious. But no, I was beside myself. Next
0: level. Don't you like seeing though, like artifacts of the past, where they're the the 1940s people are taking a uh, famous character and trying to do their own thing with it? To me, I find that charming and interesting, even though it, it it in many ways does not work. To me, it's fascinating as like a historical document showing how people on the you know World War Two's is coming. Let's double down.
1: It, it's fascinating from a sociological perspective uh, it's not so fascinating from a literary or artistic perspective that's fair
0: yeah i don't think any of these movies are great uh, artistic monuments although i do like basil rathbone's performance as sherlock holmes it's funny how like he's kind of the definitive homes for so many people in people's minds or at least a major influence on on how the char- character is perceived to this day and so many of the movies he was in were just that shit insane. Like, not not in a good way. Not in like, oh my God, these are so good. But just in a very, like, weird 1940s way.
1: Is he your definitive Holmes?
0: I mean, I, I don't know. To me, I just picture the original illustrations when I picture Holmes. I, I think it's stupid to have a definitive version. Why? I don't know. It's like, it, it, the char- it's the it, he's been done so many times. Like, um, other, different people bring different stuff to the role, you know? Why do I have to have a favorite? I can appreciate different different interpretations. Um, I like his Holmes. I always thought he had a a warmth to him that's a little bit understated, but it's it, you don't feel like he's an, you don't feel like he's he's not playing up the like asshole-ish nature of the character, which is kind of nice because in many modern interpretations of Holmes or even uh, works based on Sherlock Holmes, they really lean into the troubled genius thing. It's it that I find that exhausting.
1: Do you think that tr- the ones that play up the troubled genius are more true to the original stories or do you think something like this is more true to the original story? I
0: think this is much more true to what I remember about the original stories In the original stories that he, he can be, he could be kind of abrupt, but you feel like he is concerned about people and like he can be, it, it, it's it. The stuff about like him doing cocaine or him like boxing is all like side note details. It's not the forefront. The forefront is just the friggin' mystery.
1: And the mystery in this one isn't really especially interesting. What is the mystery in this one?
0: Basically, can Sherlock Holmes figure out where some lost, super top secret MacGuffin documents are that could change the fate of the world? And they have to basically prevent it from falling into the Nazis' hands. And and that, so basically, figure out where that that is. What 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 happened to it? Because it's gone missing because the agent carrying them was killed
1: we'll go into it in some details we go into the plot bit by bit but let me note that the viewer is let in on where the document is very early on in the picture and this ain't Columbo. so when, you, know,
0: you don't think they were trying to build up dramatic irony
1: it, it just whatever it just seemed dull it just robbed it of a lot of dramatic interest for me
0: yeah, like it's weird, like weird, uh, like little mistakes like that where like you, you feel like maybe if a script doctor had looked at it, they could have been like, well, why don't we just not show them immediately? <laughs> like simple or, changes. Or
1: if uh, a competent director. Yes. If someone like Alfred Hitchcock made a movie, you can imagine he could do a lot with the fact that the audience knows where the document is and the viewer and, and the characters do not. Yes, 100%. This, all they did was rob the film of whatever small amount of dramatic tension it might have had.
0: Yeah, it's already very cliched, and, and that could have been at least some fun, something fun to work with or to cling on to, but I, we'll get into that.
1: How does the picture start?
0: So we open up with basically 13 minutes. You know, everyone walks in. Do you
1: want to read the title card?
0: Oh, yes.
1: Because you made me pause the movie so you could write this down, so we better read it.
0: You know why? Because it's like, to me, is this the first film in the series that was set in modern times
1: this is the second movie that was set during modern times so the but it is the first movie that was directed by mr roy william neal
0: so this is important because the um the first two films in the series were set in victorian times so kevin was sated by that fact (laughs) but everything else was set in the 40s because that was cheaper to do and What's funny is that this film actually opens up with sort of a defensive title card being like talking to the Kevins of the world, being like, you were expecting to see Victorian Sherlock? Well, go fuck yourself. This is valid too. Sherlock still has shit to do. It's 1940s. We're about to de- deal with a world war. Was World War II on at this point? Yes.
1: 1943. Yes.
0: But who was in it? Were we? Everybody. In it? Everybody's in it.
1: Pearl Harbor bomb, 1941.
0: Oh, I'm a dumbass. What am I talking about? It's 1943, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't know why I was thinking uh, I, I was conflating that with the first one, which was 39, I think. So I don't know what's in my head. For a minute <laughs> for some reason I thought they made like several of these every year. <laughs> well
1: they they did. Yeah. But they took a few years off.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm bad at math. So World War is on. We're gonna do that. Fuck it. And the title card reads, Sherlock Holmes, the immortal character of fiction created by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, is ageless, invincible, and unchanging. In solving significant problems of the present day, he remains, as ever, the supreme master of detective reasoning. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been consuming a potion extracted from Langer's so don't do that, for goodness' sake! Very strange thing to put in there, but they did it. They did very defensive. I love that. I love a defensive filmmaker. <laughs> you got a problem with this, buddy? Yeah, you in the third row, stand up, <laughs> say it to my face. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but meanwhile,
1: thirteen uh, minutes with not not Holmes.
0: This is what you. This is what we're asking for, us Sherlock fans. Oh boy, Sherlock Holmes movie. I really hope he's not in in it for like 10% of the film. And don't worry, it's really boring. This whole opening is really boring. It's about a spy in danger, and it's the most fucking tedious. I've had more diverting day-long Amtrak trips than this. This is just like, this is waiting in line at the TSA boring.
1: You're someone who typically like wants to read every word of a book you're reading. You're someone who wants to watch every second of a show or a movie. And you were pleading with me. You were on your hands and knees, raising your arms in supplication, begging me to fast forward through this.
0: (laughs) I was like, let's just get to Sherlock, please. It was so boring. It's uncomfortable.
1: Just guys getting on a plane. There's a guy smoking and smiling.
0: And then some bumbling little guy allegedly named John Grayson gets on the plane late. And then he's smiling and smoking didn't on the just plane. Say that. What? Oh, did you say that? Yeah, didn't I? No. Oh, maybe you did. I don't know. Basically, it's a it's some sort of like Joe Camel commercial.
1: <laughs> it's very odd. Uh, and then also on the plane is some super important diplomat, and his trip to Washington is heavily publicized in the newspapers, which doesn't really seem like a good idea, because this is during wartime.
0: His 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 publicist is about to get fired when his plane goes down.
1: (laughs) But then they land safely and everybody gets on a train from New York to Washington, DC.
0: Now I I talk about this a lot, but when I went to college, I took the train. I took that exact route. I would go I would go from Penn Station to Union Station, fun times. So I know exactly what these people are going through. I probably, you probably could have, in a different era, I would have been one of them. I would have been one of these quirky folks doing weird
1: shit on the train. Tag yourself. Which one of these characters are you? Oh,
0: I mean, isn't it obvious?
1: There was a woman who was feeding rats. Yeah. Would that be you?
0: Thank you. But yes. Yeah.
1: So one of the passengers on the train was a woman who had a cage with rats, which she was feeding. Inexplicable.
0: Back when I used to drink, I think I could have become Senator Babcock, the the loud, the loudmouth senator. Hey, what's going on? But no there was more. a
1: loudmouth Southern senator mm-hmm. on the train. Probably
0: wearing, a he just looks racist, you know.
1: Wearing like a bolo tie, I believe oh. you compared him unfavorably to Colonel Harlan Sanders.
0: Yeah, it's like Sanders without the mustache. What happened? What what's wrong? What 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 happened to you?
1: Uh, Also, uh, Marjorie Lord, who went on to play uh, Danny Thomas's wife on Make Room for Daddy. She's one of the passengers on the plane.
0: That doesn't sound like a real thing, Kevin.
1: Make Room for Daddy or Danny Thomas?
0: What do you think? (laughs) The really generic name or the bizarre sounding shit that you make room for daddy?
1: See, he was an entertainer. He'd often go away on tour. And when he came back they'd have to make room in the house for him time to make room for daddy god okay it sounds bleak danny thomas we, we do you want to get into da- no we, we shouldn't get into danny thomas no there are things about him that aren't suitable for a discussion with ladies
0: okay well i just well, <laughs> whatever let's just <laughs> let's let's take this train into the station <laughs> oh so one thing that so so basically grayson is interacting with all of these weirdos he's He's at the bar with uh, Colonel Sanders. He's going up to the lady with rats, and she's saying, don't mention cats around them. And it just reminded me a few years ago in New York City, there was a woman who who may have been slightly, you know, somewhat, well, was clearly somewhat disturbed. And she opened a thing of crickets on a New York City subway. And I was like, that's where we're going with this rat lady. She's giving off some unsettling vibes.
1: But that, that would have been interesting.
0: That would have actually been interesting.
1: Uh, And also there's a scene he goes up to Marjorie Lord and he opens up a book of matches and lights like a cigarette or something for her. And then the camera kind of makes a point of the fact that he then deposits the, the book of matches like in her purse. Gosh, I wonder if that will be important later.
0: Hmm. And then he gets grabbed by some bad guys. I don't understand. Like he seemed to know that they were after him and he gave her the matches so they wouldn't get them. But why wouldn't he just be like, those guys are stalking me? Wouldn't you create a big ruckus?
1: Yeah. What do you think he was thinking?
0: I think he thought he was going to die, so he just gave them to her. He like sacrificed himself. Save yourself, man. Yeah, I would have been like, "Fuck! These guys are stalking me. They're trying to kill me." I'd be screaming and hollering, but they just kidnap him into a cab. It's like s- creepy See, and stupid. I,
1: I would assume that they've been uh, they've been watching me, so that if I did indeed transfer the secret documents to someone else, they would have seen it happen, and then I'll be, have some blood on my hands.
0: Yeah, it, it doesn't make any sense his actions in this and 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 also uh, forget him. Maybe you could say, well, he's just making decisions because he's scared. Um, why the fuck did the British secret intelligence give one puny guy this really important thing to do when they knew that he was going to be targeted? Wh- 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 why not? Why not just have like wh- why?
1: Why? Did they, didn't they uh, explain that? that they they made such a big deal about this big time diplomat going to D.C. Everyone would assume that he was carrying the top secret document. No one would assume that this scrawny little nothing would be carrying the Kevin, document. Kevin, it's it, like Edgar Allan Poe, no. baby, hide in plain sight.
0: There, there were there were envoys of American soldiers in England. Why not just put some of them on a warship with the document, an American warship, and have it sail across the Atlantic?
1: Oh, everybody would know that a bunch of soldiers must be guarding something important. So it'd be the perfect crime. That's not how war works! That's not how war works! (laughs) Just have a big nothing. A guy you could knock over with a feather. That's the way you do it.
0: No, it's just the stupidest fucking... I mean...
1: These Brits.
0: Yeah, just... Dumbassery. Just dumbassery in terms of spycraft. Jesus. And also, why not just send a private flucking, fucking plane? This whole thing could have been fucking avoided if they just charted a fucking plane instead of, because basically the reason this gets all busted is because some bad guys are on the initial plane and they know that it's either Henry, Sir Henry, the big diplomat, or Grayson. So they figure out that it's not Henry somehow. And then they go after Grayson. So it's like They could have just sent a private fucking plane.
1: They could have taken a military plane from London to D.C. Yes. For some reason, that's impossible. Okay. Once he arrives in New York, couldn't he have taken a military or a government plane from New York to D.C. Mm -hmm. instead of riding commercial rail?
0: Just fucking stupid. Oh, well. (laughs) Kevin, they got a big Amtrak discount for him, so I guess... I guess that's what I think Al their said. their
1: plan was, that no one would think they'd be dumb enough to have a big nobody traveling alone with a top secret document on an Amtrak train. Amtrak. Oh, they're clever.
0: Amtrak, Those baby. Brits. So basically,
1: so the train guys kidnapped killed.
0: He's kidnapped and murdered.
1: Uh then we see Marjorie Lord
0: Oh, also the mice get out on the train. That's important to note. And the old woman just looks down blankly and says in a very chilling voice, all gone.
1: (laughs) See, wouldn't you like to see a movie about her story? No. Oh, I would. Weirdo. (laughs) Marjorie Lord, who is secretly, unbeknownst to her, carrying this top secret document, gets off of the train and she is greeted by her beau who gives her a very passionate clinch lip kiss. And he, uh, obviously, even though he can't kiss, he really wants to get laid. Yeah. And Marjorie Lord, yeah, it was like, Mm -hmm. Marjorie Lord looks like a poor man's Myrna Loy in this movie.
0: Oof, brutal.
1: How would you describe her looks in this?
0: I just don't like her hair. They did her hair really weird. It's like big bumps on the top of her head. It's like, what were they doing back then? But poor man's... Myrna Loy- are you a beggar, though? <laughs> I think young Kevin would have been like, oh, I'll take what I can get.
1: <laughs> so now, though, news gets out that this minor governmental functionary, this clerk, has been kidnapped off of a train. And for some reason, becomes an international incident. Huge news. Don't you feel like this, the
0: Brits would like to like to, to rub that in Americans' faces, though? Be like, our guy got kidnapped off one of your shitty trains, you know?
1: Don't you think uh, people from other countries have bad luck in America every day? <laughs> yeah. Don't you think there's people from London getting kidnapped right outside our doorstep 24 hours ah. a day? <laughs> this should not be big news. <laughs> this makes news all over the world. And And it doesn't make news because people know he was carrying the document. People don't know he was carrying the document. It just makes news because he's a fellow from England who had some bad luck in America.
0: I will make one very, very, very petty devil's advocate argument here, and is that some of the newspapers had sources in intelligence who said, you might want to look into this, and they ran with it.
1: But surely journalists wouldn't compromise the secrets of Her Majesty's government.
0: Well, if the intelligence officer was on background and saying, "Hey, look into this," well,
1: maybe maybe that's the explanation.
0: But it's still pretty silly,
1: and it's kind of a it's kind of a petty bone you're. Uh, yeah,
0: I'm trying to pick. Yes. Very petty bone.
1: I'm so proud of myself. <laughs>
0: The guy's real name is Pettybone. I had a I had a gym teacher named Pettybone in elementary school. I don't know why I'm remembering that now, but it's, it's kind of a funny name. So now finally, fucking finally, it's been hours. It's been years. But finally, we see the rotund, resplendent form of Nigel Bruce at 221B Baker Street. 221B. 221B Baker Street. And he is reading a big newspaper and he is, he's pretty upset. And, (laughs) and, and Sherlock comforts him by saying, yeah, really momentous things are happening in the world right now. And Watson only, he's not, he's not World War two millions dead. What? He only cares about the scores in the cricket games because it's Watson. Fucking Nigel Bruce Watson doesn't give a shit except for about cricket he's very he's almost he's like like a child in this movie more so like he's less he's less bumbling as in like fucking up but he's more like childish as in like his interests are very childish in this one very innocent and then um <laughs> sherlock in it has this guy come in it's a big wig in the intelligence department watson humiliates both of them by failing to recognize who the hell the guy is And then proceeds to start telling the guy all about his cricket game. And it's like, this is like what a little kid does. This is like when you're the kid, you know, you visit someone's house and the kid comes up to you and is like, like, oh, I I watched a Superman movie and this is what happened. Like, you know, like, and like. Uh,
1: Which Superman movie?
0: Well, see, you would get into it. This is actually what you do when people come over.
1: (laughs) Which one was like Superman 2? Yeah. Which which, uh, cut was it? Both. There's more than two cuts of that movie.
0: Whatever. I'm just using it. It, it, Didn't that remind you of of how like a kid thinks they're the most important person in the world. So they go up and tell the adults all about their day. And like the adults find it cute and amusing. But when Watson, a grown ass man is doing it, it's like very hilarious. (laughs) Like the whole thing is like Sherlock as the parent and Watson is this dumb like three year old.
1: (laughs) So what 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 does Sherlock tell Watson to do at this point?
0: So Sherlock you know when when you're when you're the parent of a young child you know that you need to sometimes give your kids like fun little stupid tasks to distract them if something important is happening you know I remember I, I, I mean every, everyone everyone has seen that or has experienced that whether they're a parent or they've ever been a child So basically he has Watson go sit in the corner and and bang on a cup with his spoon in order to, you know, break up the spy transmission. So definitely what you'd have a three-year-old do if they were being hyperactive during a power outage. And then after a few minutes, he kind of snaps. You can stop now, Watson.
1: He sounds pretty disgusted. He <laughs> sounds
0: disgust. like, This is my middle-aged to elderly friend. I can never really tell. Is he old or is he, like, middle-aged? Watson.
1: Basil Rathbone was actually older than Nigel Bruce.
0: Holy shit. (laughs) Have
1: I blown your mind?
0: Yeah, damn. Isn't that surprising? You can either age like Basil Rathbone you can age like (laughs) Nigel Bruce. (laughs) Choice is yours based on the healthy decisions you make.
1: And so this is where we find out, oh, this guy who went missing, uh, his name was Pettibone. He was uh, carrying the MacGuffin document. We never learned what exactly the document is. It's just really important. And if the enemy gets their hands on it, we're really in trouble. Uh, this guy, Pettibone, was carrying it and home. is like, well, you know, I frequently worked with Pettibone. I so think he was trying to make Watson jealous. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I do too.
0: I think it was. Watson's like, that's where you were all those nights. <laughs> where you didn't come home. <laughs> to Baker Street. And... Uh, then Sherlock in a very disconcerting move makes a pun um because uh, they're talking about how it would be hard for Pettibone to swallow the papers if he was captured and Sherlock says that yes because the documents would be fearfully dry especially legal papers and it's like what is he trying to like do, workshop for his new stand up routine <laughs> what's going on
1: It's just wrong.
0: What would his what would his comedy special be called on Netflix? <laughs>
1: The game's a fool.
0: Oh, that's that's that was fucking
1: tragic. <laughs> you you do one. <laughs> you do one.
0: Okay, I'll try. How about uh stand up in Bohemia? <laughs> no. The Baker Street irregular?
1: <laughs> there you go. That's it. That's it.
0: Uh, come into Netflix twenty twenty one.
1: So And Holmes is wearing like suspenders and a sports coat. And is this how you picture Holmes dressing?
0: I don't hate it. I wish you dressed like that.
1: Oh, <laughs> You've got claws tonight.
0: Nah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I wish you wore suspenders and a sports coat. Hmm. I show it's you're like- not the only one with claws, oh, sister.
0: Yeah, you're good. <laughs> You're getting some digs into. <laughs> Do you want me to wear a big uh, deer stalker cap and a, have a pipe?
1: <laughs> yes. Oh, you your bluff. There you go.
0: Meanwhile, God bless his dear little heart, Watson is just really excited because they've been told that they need to go to the United States to investigate Pettibone's disappearance, and he really wants to go to a baseball game. <laughs> can, I get, can I get some Cracker Jacks <laughs> Okay, Watson. Like, Jesus Christ.
1: Before they can head to America. Sherlock
0: would be on the phone with the president and being like, I'm so sorry. Like, I've, I'm so glad that, you know, we were able to save the day. But, you know, I can't, I can't go to dinner with you and Mrs., Mrs. Roosevelt. You know, I got something more important to do. And he'd turn around and go back to the stands where they're watching the game. <laughs> Patton Watson on the back.
1: <laughs> Oh. Before they go to America, they decide to go over to Pettibone's residence.
0: Pettybone's so, digs. The boneyard, as he calls it.
1: The man lived with his mother. Mm-hmm. Describe, paint the picture. Tell us what happens here when Holmes and Watson go and talk with Pettibone's mother.
0: So basically, can I just describe the whole thing? Please do. So basically, there is a recurring gag, if you will, that uh, Watson keeps on almost inadvertently telling this woman who was clearly very close with her son, that her son is never coming back and he is dead. This woman does not know, even know that her son is missing at this point. She just thought he went to America on business. So She has no idea. Her world is about to be shattered. And it keeps on like, you can almost hear the slide whistle playing where it's like, whoops, oh no, I almost, You know, she'll be like, I can't, you know, when he comes back, I'll tell him that, you know, you guys called for him. And Watson's like, comes back. Oh, I mean, like, Jesus,
1: Christ. pretty funny.
0: <laughs> oh, the yucks! Like, what the, who wrote? The, what sociopath wrote this? So he's not a main character, so his life doesn't matter.
1: <laughs> his mother loved him.
0: <laughs> Jesus,
1: he was probably her sole support, and now she'll die penniless and alone.
0: <laughs> God damn! It was awful. Just Jesus, this, this movie.
1: It was like something you'd see on The Office or something.
0: This was too mean-spirited for that. <laughs> it was really dark. Uh, meanwhile, we got some tensions arising. Uh, not over that, but because uh, Watson keeps pacing around. But then at one point, Sherlock snaps it in to stop pacing around. and Watson, in a very hurt voice, says that he wasn't even doing that. Sherlock's like, oh, sorry, my old fellow. But now we know that maybe someone else is in the house other than them and Mrs. Pettibone. Uh Uh-oh. Someone's infiltrated the boneyard.
1: And this is also where we get a miniature symposium on microfilm.
0: Yeah, come to B&B Microfilm Services for all your microfilm needs.
1: They said that uh, microfilm is used to help make it easier to deliver soldiers letters. And
0: it's a growth industry, great investment for anybody looking to make a splash.
1: There you go. It is actually true that in the second world war, uh letters to and from soldiers were actually microfilmed because there's such huge quantities of them, they've been very difficult to deliver them uh overseas. Mm-hmm. So they were microfilmed. It's called V mail.
0: V mail. Victory mail.
1: You got a sister.
0: There you go. Pretty cool. And Watson tells some bizarre story about a cross-eyed carrier pigeon who, when he was serving in the Great War, would always fly the soldiers' letters around in circles. And I guess none of them ever got to say goodbye to their loved ones.
1: Pretty funny.
0: (laughs) Oh, (laughs) zingers. You just expect Sherlock to come over and be like, it's okay, Watson, it's okay. Sleep now. <laughs> <laughs> it's got all these like just horrible, horrible shit going on. It just lots of cursed stuff in this movie. But anyway, then they demonstrate how a tiny document could be made to fit in a match folder. Gosh, mm. I
1: wonder if that's important.
0: I don't know. Didn't something happen with a matchbook earlier where the spy put it in that lady's purse?
1: If so, I've forgotten.
0: <laughs> it's pretty forgettable. <sighs> so basically, Watson, uh Oh, you know what's interesting? I actually remember seeing the following scene that we're about to talk about when I was a kid, when I was, like, little.
1: uh The scene involving... The brick. Well, I should describe that scene and then tell us how it affected well, it young Anya. It,
0: I mean, it didn't. I just remember being like, what's this? And people were like, oh, it's Sherlock. And I was like, all right.
1: <laughs> You're quite the raconteur.
0: Oh, <laughs> shut up.
1: You paint quite the picture.
0: six I stuck with me for some reason. But I remember being scared because they were like, they're like, oh, yeah, some guy got murdered. And I was like, well, I don't want to watch this shit. <laughs> turns Good out instinct. Was, turns out I was right. Um,
1: is Is Anya hinted when they leave, someone up above uh, throws a brick at them and it misses them.
0: Yeah, a big ass brick comes crashing down off the roof. And then they then they're off to New York City, baby. That's our town. That's our fucking city. Well, I mean, they look over Manhattan. We're in Brooklyn. But New York City, baby.
1: Indeed.
0: The Bronx is up and the battery's down, but we're not going to stick around here. This isn't where we're supposed to be. We're going to D.C., which is also a city near and dear to my heart uh, because I love D.C. I have a lot of friends who are either from D.C. or live around it. And I uh, lived there for a summer and it was a lot of fun. It's a good city. You like D.C. too
1: i love washington dc
0: what do you love about it
1: uh i love history and it's it's very uh inspiring to walk around and see where so many notable events and uh incidents and people lived and walked
0: yeah i really it's a great place I really great sense it. of history great sense of history it's beautiful lots of cool things to do lots of fun so you know if you want to go and get into some spy hijinks <laughs> head down to dc <laughs>
1: exactly
0: we're a tourism ad now,
1: <laughs> but so is this movie. So is this movie. Watson in the plane is reading a book called "Quaint Customs and Manners of America."
0: Got a bunch of stock footage of the DC monuments rolling in as uh, they as they you know fly over, and uh, if for
1: some reason at this point you were like eating popcorn or you went out to go to the restroom, mm-hmm. don't worry, <laughs> don't fret. You'll see those that stock footage of, uh, yeah, DC monuments later. There'll be plenty of that ahead. You, you don't don't. Everything's fine. You're covered.
0: Like, did money from the DC Tourism Board go into this? Like, I would actually be curious. It's funny. Like nowadays, we like there's all that stuff about like every movie being like shot like in China or something to like appeal to the Chinese box office. Were they trying to do that for America? <laughs> I mean, I doubt it because Hollywood was like the main fixture, but it just it has that weird feel of like throwing the Americans a bone. Oh, look, it's their capital. Pretty cool, huh? <laughs> Americans love the Lincoln Memorial. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the greatest line in this movie belongs, of course, to our friend, my friend and yours, Dr. John Watson. What does he say to greet? Uh, something that he's learned from his new book on American phrases.
1: Because someone offers him some formal greetings and Watson, remembering his book, says, How are you, buddy? What's cooking? <laughs> and then he gets hauled away bodily by Sherlock Holmes. <laughs>
0: Just gets shoved in the van, shoved in the car. Just incredible. What's cooking? And he tries to do the American accent. It's a jarring and beautiful moment. <laughs> Really set back U.S.-U.K. relations like hundreds of years. <laughs> it resumed War of 1812 hostilities at that point.
1: Uh, and then we have the a uh, driving sequence.
0: Oh, love that. Where uh, are we going? Where, where <laughs> are we going around, Kevin?
1: We happen to be driving on Washington, D.C. And so the driver would say, oh, look, Sherlock, there's the Lincoln Memorial. And Sherlock, well, yeah, that's nice. Oh, look, Sherlock. There's the U.S. Capitol. Oh, that's really beautiful. Oh, look, Sherlock. It's the Washington Monument. Oh, yeah, that's magnificent. And this just goes on and on.
0: Are you going to do that for me when we go to Indiana?
1: When we go to Indiana every weekend, we're just going to drive around. And I'm going to say, oh, look, Anya, it's a shopping center. And I want you to say that it's beautiful or magnificent.
0: Magnif- magnificent.
1: Oh, look, Anya, it's the Soldier and Sailor's Monument. Gorgeous. Oh, look, Anya, it's our Circle Center shopping mall.
0: Oh, wow, another shopping mall.
1: <laughs> We've got more of them than you can imagine.
0: <laughs> oh, I can't wait. <laughs> Circle City, baby.
1: <laughs> at, at this point, you... Uh...
0: Oh, I just want to say, watching Basil Rathbone be forced to pretend to be impressed by American monuments in the capital. And, and let me just add as a side note, I love the monuments. I'm a sucker. I'm a sucker for monuments. But this is still so embarrassing. And I'm I'm deeply embarrassed on behalf of every every US citizen alive and dead. <laughs> <That's-> <laughs> it's the most like forced and Im- just cringy uh tour that I've ever seen. And uh, you know, we did it to sherlock fucking holmes himself how (laughs) fucking embarrassing our ego needs to be stroked so badly that we've dragged sherlock holmes around and said do you like this (laughs) monument it's neoclassical white marble wow just like all the others and he had to be like yeah that's great guys can i just go to the hotel i'm really tired (laughs) just a disgrace
1: we then cut to the motel where Watson is happily slurping some big drink. I'm not even sure what it was. Do you know what it was? It looked
0: either like a soda or like a milkshake. It was. It looked like something that would have been like in Riverdale or something with the big milkshakes and the like striped straws.
1: It looked like something you see like a teenager drinking.
0: I mean, that's Watson for you.
1: That's Watson for you. Uh, and we learned that all of the people who interacted with Grayson on the train have in some way been attacked.
0: I mean, in other words, Amtrak customers. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Amtrak's very safe.
1: They say they even, you know, they tell, they make, make comments that the lady that had the mice. Even her mice were let out.
0: And Watson aptly looks up from his big, giant drink to say, what happened to the mice? And Sherlock just shoots him down. But honestly, I would think that too. What happened? Did she ever get her mice back? That's kind of sad. She loved the mice. Yeah. They she was taking kids. them on a trip. What happened to the mice? So Watson's asking the real, asking the real questions. Also, what a kid w- what a kid would ask. <laughs> uh, Watson is just Sherlock's dumb son in this whole thing. <laughs> Me and my fail son are gonna go to DC and try to do our best.
1: <laughs> and then Holmes gets a delivery. His trunk has arrived, but there's a, a complication. He doesn't even have a trunk. So what could possibly be in this trunk? So this
0: is, I, I mean, from my recollection, this is a pretty dark moment in the series. <laughs> I mean, it's not like there's not deaths as murders, but this is like pretty gruesome because the trunk actually con- contains a, a body wrapped in a blanket and the body is of Pettybone, who was Sherlock's friend and a guy who was just trying to do his job and got brutally murdered for it. So yikes. And we've met the man's mother. Yeah, oof, brutal. And like we had to spend 13 minutes with this guy. This is it's like why why would be so brutal?
1: And that's 13 minutes in a 70 minute film.
0: Yes, to be clear, a big chunk.
1: Big so chunk. What is
0: what does Sherlock make of this gruesome discovery?
1: I think it was Watson that was like, "Well, maybe they're just sending you this uh, poor guy's dead body to frighten you." And Holmes is, oh no, they're much too intelligent to believe a corpse would frighten a detective.
0: Us detectives are pretty, uh, pretty
1: brave. Would a corpse frighten you?
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if you got a package with a corpse in it, you're telling me you're not fucking freaking out and screaming.
1: I, I get mis, uh, misaddressed packages uh, pretty regularly. Just
0: a Tuesday for you, Kevin. (laughs) That's right. One of the other Kevin Greenleys in the country is a serial killer, apparently. And then, of of course, the uh, 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 Sherlock starts asking the D.C. cops a bunch of questions because he's liaising with them to sort of look into the grace and disappearance and now murder or the petty bone, whatever. This dude's dead now. So he's asking about forensics. He's asking about this. He's asking about that. And the U.S. detective, the D.C. detective, basically has to stop him and be like, Mr. Holmes, we have a fully stocked lab. We're going to be just fine doing all the forensics on this. And Sherlock says, sorry, I'm such a dumbass, Mr. USA Eagleman. I'm an antisocial guy, and the British police suck so much ass that I forgot that the spirit of American innovation helps you guys solve all the crimes. <laughs> <laughs> and Kevin, I, I'm not sure... I certainly nowadays I wouldn't say the U.S. clearance rate in terms of crimes is anything to commend ourselves on, but I I don't think in the 1940s it was either. No. So this is just just dick sucking. This is dick. This is a dick sucking bullshit thing to say. Yes. And it feels it. This whole movie sort of feels like if Americans kidnapped Sherlock Holmes and made him be in a propaganda video for us. Thanks. I can do good police work in America, where American innovation and science allows me to look at things under a microscope. Very forced hostage video vibes.
1: Not a good use of the character, as I feared.
0: Well, my thing also, and I'm going to say this, it's interesting that in this, which is the more American version, which is very Americanized, and of course all about him going to Washington, we don't really get the sense of the war as much as we do in Sherlock Holmes and the secret weapon, which is set in England and all about uh, a, a European scientist defecting to England during the war in that the war feels like on the doorstep. It feels like it's about to come barging in. You see the ruins created by the blitz. You see the urgency with which they need to save this scientist to prevent his technology from getting into Nazi hands. And you even see Nazi agents at work. In this, it's much more implied. It's much quieter, which I guess makes sense because America wasn't being America was not on the
1: front lines.
0: But it's just kind of an interesting look into that because in this, like, if you, you... I liked
1: in Secret Weapon that we actually knew what was at stake in this. We don't even know what's in this document.
0: No, you just know that the other side can't get it. They're not even referring to the Nazis. It's not explicit at all. It's very... You could have this... Set in the Cold War, this could have been set in the Great War, it's not as clear. So then they find that somebody, they go back to the scene of the crime, the scene Which of- Which is the train car. Yeah, of course. And they find that someone has torn this shit up. Literally. The train car is ransacked. I mean, I don't even get this. could not the train car go back to New York? Don't they kind of go back and forth? I don't know, but- Somehow they pinpoint exactly what train car this was in. And of course, because this is in America in the 1940s, you get this very stereotypical affable African-American porter who's very stereotypical, just embarrassing, seems like something out of uh, that Key and Peele sketch uh, on old Hollywood, which is very funny but disturbing. And this is like cringe. Um, But yeah.
1: We then cut to the bad guys. Uh, the bad guys have some sort of office or some sort of area where they're meeting with lots of antiques. And they also have, somewhat inexplicably, they have a phone in a vase. And I'm not even sure what that accomplished, or what the point of it was. <laughs> I can tell you, it wasn't very impressive looking. It looked like something you get for free if you subscribed like a home decor magazine.
0: <laughs> and it like, it's like, okay, it looks like a vase. But the second you need to call, it looks like a phone. And then everyone can see that you have a phone in your vase. So what, what have you concealed?
1: Nothing. You just look the fool. You've
0: concealed <laughs> your dignity from the rest of the world. Very strange. So the the bad guys' conversation make it clear that they have infiltrated a catering company, and they are about to fuck up somebody's wedding, <laughs> quite literally.
1: They are evil.
0: <laughs> they are about to get some nasty Yelp reviews.
1: See, I could see us doing this, like accidentally hiring evil Nazi caterers. Oops! Just because yeah. they're a little bit cheaper.
0: They'd be given a schnitzel, and then. Fucking up our whole night.
1: (laughs) And spoil our whole wedding.
0: Aww. No. They'd conk you on the head and wrap me up in a rug and take me away. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's basically what happens. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Yeah, I think if if the catering company is involved in kidnapping the bride-to-be, I feel like, you know, that's probably a reason. They've gone a
1: little too far. Yeah,
0: that's, you know... I don't want to be a bridezilla, but I think that's not a good thing. That would be me. I'd be in the rug and be like, I don't mean to be a bridezilla, but I don't want to. I... This isn't really how I have envisioned my special day. <laughs> no, there's all these great, um, great shows. There's like. Uh, four Weddings Kevin Which is a, a competition show Where four brides each have a wedding And then the others all rate each wedding And whoever has the highest score Ends up getting a free honeymoon to like some paradise And <laughs> it would be my luck That we'd be on four weddings And this would be happening to me And like the, <laughs> the other brides would be like I really love the, the crab puffs served at the reception But I thought it was kind of weird A weird choice for Anya to have been Wrapped up in a rug and smuggled out in a catering van <laughs> It kind of left me, it made me feel a little left out from her special day. (laughs) So I gave her wedding a four. (laughs) But, you know, yeah. So we're getting ahead of ourselves, but these guys fuck up the wedding royally. Meanwhile, we go back to...
1: Watson is mm. reading the newspaper. Oh,
0: you had to barge in.
1: uh, this, this, This is hot news. I can't wait. Watson is reading the newspaper and he is offering his hot takes Ooh, on what he's encountering. It's me. Can you share some of his hot takes?
0: So, Watson's actually re It was Flash Gordon a comic. Yes. Okay. Well, I didn't know that. So you're obviously the one who should be talking about
1: this. So wait, you did not know that Flash Gordon was a comic? I thought strip? it was
0: a TV show. I know it's also a TV show. Okay. I didn't know it was a comic strip. Alex Raymond. I'm sorry. I'm not a comics girl. I've disappointed you.
1: Yes, it, it was a uh, yes. It was a comic strip.
0: Did you like it? No. Well, Watson fucking loves it. Yes. <laughs> Watson is sitting there saying, "Flash Gordon seems a very capable fellow." <laughs> Bruce, ah, he's a miracle. <laughs> Get the Queen soundtrack blasting in there for no reason, and. Uh, then he's also talking about how these Brooklyn fellows seem to be arguing with the umpire. So he should definitely come to Brooklyn and he could see how we do it.
1: Do <laughs> a Brooklyn style. Do a
0: Brooklyn style. And, uh, you know, so he's just loving America. America, a place where we accept him for being dumb and unhinged. Because <laughs> that's how we are too.
1: Then we get back to Marjorie Lord, who uh, has... Absolutely no chemistry or passion with this man she's about to marry.
0: <laughs> yeah, but they, every every scene, it's like she has a new lump in her hair. They like keep put, making her hair this weird, ornate nineteen forties style, and it's like bump, bump, bump. Just it, she's growing in power. She needs to be stopped.
1: And did they think that's what people were supposed to do when they kiss? Because it's like the, the, their their mouths are like clenched fists just kind of rubbing against each other.
0: Well, if you didn't like my technique, you could have found a nicer way to say it. (laughs) 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 Anyway, as we've alluded to, the bad guys are disguised as caterers. They call her fiance into an unfinished portion of the house that's going to be their, I guess, bridal suite. (laughs) which is also in her aunt's house. So that's kind of weird. I want you guys to have the top of my house where you can fuck for a week. (laughs) (laughs) I want to listen in. But anyway, she's giving. (laughs) So they, he gets called upstairs for a telephone call, even though the place is unfinished and they conk him out after he gets up there. And then they call the bride to be away.
1: So why didn't they just call the bride to be?
0: Maybe they thought that the fiance would be the first one to notice her missing and if they were both missing everyone would assume they eloped. Okay. Like if I were called away at our fancy engagement party and I never came back, wouldn't you be wouldn't you I mean, wouldn't you feel bad if you weren't the first one to be raising the alarm? You you be you be in the corner what? Be the, in the corner reading Flash Gordon, and then suddenly the people like five hours later, people are like Kevin, aren't you helping to find your fiance <laughs> sitting there flipping through your sad sack comics? Oh, oh, sorry, Anya's gone. Oh, geez. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, good point. Yeah. It just seemed to me that trying to it would be easy, easier to immobilize the female and get her out of there than
0: easier to immobilize the female. Be- because
1: because this guy We haven't mentioned the fact He's like a big military guy Presumably he's had like military training Like a Green Beret type of guy
0: He's like a pilot I mean not to knock Navy pilots I'm sure they're very tough but I'm, Sounds like
1: you're knocking Navy it pilots It sounds like
0: you're knocking women
1: <laughs> I had no idea you thought Navy pilots were sissies
0: I didn't know you thought women were sissies <laughs> He doesn't look that tough, frankly. I mean, he's like, he's a, I guess he's a big guy, but he, I mean, and their whole plan was just bonk him in the head. It wasn't like
1: something. They didn't even tie him up or anything. They just kind of hit him on the head and then just walked away.
0: I mean, if you hit someone on the head hard enough and they're unconscious for hours, you don't need to tie them up. But you probably have done lasting brain damage.
1: But you don't have, you don't have any idea how long the person will be unconscious.
0: Yeah, no, I'm not saying it was a good, I. It's like, at one point, they were like, oh, there's all these paint fumes. Were they counting on that to, like, kill him? It just seems stupid.
1: Why didn't they just kill him? I
0: don't know. They respect the
1: troops. And let me also ask you this. They suspect that this woman has gotten the secret document. Yeah. And the man she's about to marry is a military man. Isn't it possible that she shared the document with the military man? Why not kidnap both of them?
0: That's a good point.
1: And also, uh, if you want to make her talk, if you have her, the love of her life there, you could torture him in front of her to try to encourage her to talk.
0: Kevin, are are you on the? Are you a secret Nazi spy? Because you're having some Nazi spy ideas there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I've said too much.
0: Oh no. But no, you 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 point some things out. And here's here's a here's a thing to say. Why why even do it at why even kidnap them at the party when there are all these potential witnesses there and people are going to notice them missing. Because even though they assume that they eloped, you know, that's just cuz they're being dumbasses. Nobody nobody has an engagement party and elopes from there. That doesn't make any fucking sense. No. That's like some dumb, like wishful thinking, thing to happen. Uh, you would think that they would wait until they were married and then wait till they were alone, as married newlyweds are want to be, and then strike. Whether they were going off to their honeymoon or if they were staying in town, attacking men that would have made much more sense. Much
1: because more then, sense because then,
0: because then, if anybody hears it, it's just gonna be the elderly aunt, and you can take care of her too. So I think we would have done a better job recovering these documents.
1: So if there's any crypto Nazis out there who want to get some hints or some ideas or some tips, write to Ani.
0: No. (laughs) Shaking my damn head. It's just, I think it's one thing. It's like when you have villains doing villainous shit in movies. You know, it's a little bit more exciting when the villains are competent and seem one step of the heroes. In some cases, when the villains are doing inexplicable dumb shit, it maybe lessens some of the excitement. Yes. And I think they just really wanted to do this, all this, so they could... So basically, they they wrap Lord up in a rug after chloroforming her and and take her out of the house. And I think they just wanted to have that scene where they rolled her up in the rug and took her out. seemed like they were just justifying that. Okay. And of course... We see this rug being transported out to the van, right as Sherlock and Watson start to party crash. They're pulling wedding crashers here, but unfortunately, they are too late because
1: they've got no idea. <sighs> Bum- bumbling fools. Watson's just happy to be there. Watson loves people who are in love, but he loves everybody.
0: Yeah, He's- he he loves he loves love he loves everybody, and 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 then uh, Watson and Sherlock. And the aunt go upstairs to the apartment to find the fiancé with a concussion in the middle of writing some very furious Yelp reviews on this catering service that absconded with his fiancé, as as is his want to do. He's on the local wedding planning Facebook group being like, do not use them.
1: <laughs> what, what's the headline of his Yelp review?
0: Maybe like, stole my fiancé in a fucking rug. <laughs> Also, the pigs in the blanket were undercut. <laughs> Disgusting.
1: Oh man, and there'd be some like reply from the Nazis trying to uh, explain it all away.
0: Hey, can you give us your uh, order number? We'd love to make this right. <laughs> like it's weird because they're they're obviously Nazi spies in this one. In in the other one, that's the closest comparison, which is which is Sherlock Holmes and the Secret Weapon. It's like. Moriarty is an Moriarty is, is a guy who's not German, and he's not ostensibly a Nazi, but he wants to work for the Nazis because Sherlock is working for the Allied powers. And he's also just a bad guy, so he's going to work with the Nazis. He's probably sympathetic in some way to the Nazis. And in this, it's just kind of like a group of villains. And eventually you find out that they're led by a German dude, but it feels less political in a way, you know?
1: Is he German? I couldn't even tell.
0: His name's like Heinrich Hinkle, so yes, I think he is I mean, German.
1: You can't tell us anything <laughs> from a name like that.
0: <laughs> is Heinrich Hinkle German? It's like they put like a they put a, like they put a name into like the Nazi name generator, and that's what they <laughs> that's what they came up with.
1: So, Sherlock gets the blanket that was used to wrap up the battered, decomposing body of Mr. Pettibone, and he examines it. He examines it carefully, mm. and he finds... That- C.S.I. Sherlock. Exactly. He finds a small shard of furniture from a Louis XV something or other. Okay. And
0: I can see for miles by the Who is playing in the background while all this happens. Yes.
1: So now they decide this blanket was obviously used to wrap a particular piece of furniture Let's go to every antique store in town to attract that piece of furniture down.
0: Louis the Beloved, baby. Gotta get it. Gotta get it while it's hot.
1: So we see a montage.
0: My favorite fucking montage I've ever seen. Ever. I'm hitting the I'm hitting the mic. I'm so excited to talk about this.
1: Talk about it.
0: <laughs> the montage is Sherlock and, Sh- Sherlock and Watson's legs walking around. Just shots of their legs. You don't see them. You don't see their torsos. You don't see their heads. You just see their legs strutting their stuff all over D.C. And then you see interspersed with shots of antique stores, I guess, in what's supposed to be D.C. And they're just strutting. These two guys, these two cats are on the town strolling around, making their presence known. It's just so ridiculous.
1: (laughs) 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 I loved it so much. It was so funny and charming. What about it tickled the cane fancy? It just looks, <laughs> I don't
0: know. I'm just a fucking weirdo. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. It was like these two guys in big 1940s pants strolling around. And then the, it, it's like, it's just so on the nose. You know what I mean? And it's like, why did we have to see them walking? We can assume they were walking. We assume they weren't flying or that they didn't like Watson didn't like build a helicopter Scooby-Doo style and then flow around in that. Like, you assume that they're walking. So why not just have montages of the storefronts? That would make sense.
1: And, like, did Rathbone and Bruce not want to come out of the trailer that day? <laughs> God damn it. Yeah.
0: They were fighting and
1: they didn't want to. They didn't. It's literally just the legs. It could have been anyone's legs.
0: It, and it just reminded me of, like, what we do now. In New York City during quarantine, like everybody, you and I walk around a lot. Everyone walks around a lot. We've all become like Edwardian people who our hobby is strolling, strolling <laughs> around, strolling the park, strolling the grounds, you know. And, and this had a very COVID quarantine feel because it's just two bros walking around DC, chatting it up, seeing the storefronts, window shopping, and yeah, highly relatable content.
1: Finally, though, they hit pay dirt because they they find kind of a rip-off antique joint. And Holmes knows this must be the place. Yeah,
0: every shitty place that's a rip-off is evil. He's going to report them to the better, bureau, better Business Bureau. But first, he's going to take on the Nazis himself.
1: Meanwhile, we cut to the bad guys who are talking to Marjorie Lord, the woman they have kidnapped. And they're trying to act like they're courteous and stuff and that she's their guest. And she's like, oh, you always send a rug for your guests, which I think was the best line in the picture.
0: You warm to Marjorie Lord, even though you unfavorably compared her to Myrna Loy.
1: I'm going to try to work that phrase into my life.
0: So you're going to try to get kidnapped by people and put in a rug? (laughs) No, I'm just going to start saying,
1: just uh, as a non sequitur, (laughs) hey, you always send a rug for your guests?
0: we'll be going to like a nice hotel and they'll be like welcome to our hotel and you'll be like you always send a rug for your guests and they'll be like sir sir and i'll be like i'm so sorry he always does this and i'll yell at you and make you go sit in the car
1: <laughs> it's a plan Woo. <laughs> i love that line
0: do you think you would have been as calm as she was
1: was she calm or just kind of bored I would, was she like I would all maybe, of us
0: i would yeah maybe <laughs> i just got kidnapped and i don't even care i just wish it was more interesting
1: She didn't really seem all that engaged with her kidnapping.
0: I would be just pissed about the wedding. Like, I paid, like, what, thousands of dollars for this fucking catering thing that fucked me over? I know I keep harping on the catering, but, like, I don't know. Weddings are expensive. This isn't cool.
1: Well, wouldn't you be, like, heartbroken thinking of poor Kevin? Or would you just be, oh, Uh, that that catering bill?
0: Yeah, no, definitely I wouldn't be just (laughs) thinking about the catering bill. (laughs) I'd be thinking about how I'd be murdered and you'd be left to pay the catering bill. <laughs> Poor Kevin.
1: Poor Kevin.
0: Kevin's going to have to dip into his savings to cover this one. Because <laughs> I'm not going to be around to help pay for it.
1: Miss muddy bags is gone.
0: <laughs> I can't support your fancy catering lifestyle anymore.
1: Daddy has to pay for his own shrimp. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> you you'd be sitting locked in the room in the in the apartment not not like not writing a yelp review not even nursing your wound on your head you'd just be trying to do the calculator for what you could afford them on the terms of, <laughs> of catering <laughs> but anyways lord has no fucking idea what they're talking about when they say that she was passed a document by Pennybone.
1: and then meanwhile the bad guy uses his super duper secret vase phone right in front of her what is the point of a super duper secret phone if you're using it right in front of people
0: kevin what the fuck is the point of a super duper secret vase phone if you're not using it in front of all your guests to impress them
1: you want to show it off
0: it's a beautiful piece (laughs) we're gonna go on the home shopping network with this thing (laughs) This is a a one-of-a-kind piece. Impress your friends and your kidnap victims with this beautiful vase phone to call in your goons from your local
1: antique shop. I think you'd kind of like to have a vase phone.
0: I want to get a vase phone, but I want the vase to be in the shape of our pit bull pup, Lanny. So what
1: would you talk into?
0: I would want the, the vase to be in the shape of that, so you'd open it and then pull out a phone.
1: So you like open up her stomach?
0: No, like she'd be like, it'd be like she'd be in half.
1: So you'd bisect our dog's body. Yeah,
0: bisect our dog's body. Whatever. It would like the lid would open. It's like her on the front and then her on the back. There's two of her. It's like Janice. And then you'd open, have the phone. Hey, Kevin, I've got those caterers down here. It's time for our revenge. And you could come down, help me out. Okay, I gotcha. Yeah.
1: Now this next scene got you pretty hot. I mean, angry. Oh. Remember? I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Excuse you, sir. It got you angry.
0: I was going to make a joke about how Sherlock was acting so nerdy that it reminded you me of you. So, of course, it made me hot. <laughs> so, there's a scene in the classic movie, The Big Sleep, where Humphrey Bogart comes into a store and starts acting very neurotic and annoying. And basically Sherlock does that here. And at first I was like, oh my god, did did this movie rip off The Big Sleep? But then I was like, wait, The Big Sleep ripped off this movie because this movie came out before The Big Sleep by a few years. But then I realized that The Big Sleep is also a book by Raymond Chandler and I presume it has that whole bit in it. So I assume that Sherlock ripped that off. Or maybe it's just such a common bit in old detective stories that everybody was ripping it off. So anyways, Sherlock comes in.
1: All we can say for sure is it's done ineptly here.
0: So so basically, so Sherlock speaks in a funny, nerdy voice and uh, interrupts everybody in the store and is making all these observations. They call him an eccentric collector at one point. Kevin, I feel like this, uh, this characterization really saw you, spoke to some of your... <laughs> I could see you doing this bit. What for real? Yeah, well, not for real, but I could see you coming in and be like, "Is this this is this type of comic book?" And people will be like, "Ah, yes," <laughs> and you'd be like, "No, it's a fraud." <laughs> <laughs> You're a collector type. I could definitely do this, but for like very specific, strange shit. Like what? There was a time I could probably do it for some colonial stuff, but I'm so out of out of practice with that. Maybe like Nancy Drew books
1: like crime relics.
0: Oh yeah. People were mislabeling. Yeah. Yeah. Yikes. I'm a fun person. <laughs> <laughs> so Sherlock has made it clear to Watson at this point that lives are at stake. Not only the lives of, uh, the people involved in this situation, namely Marjorie Lord, who they're trying to save. Um, uh, but also the lives of everyone in the free world, basically, or whatever, you know, the allied countries. Um, this millions of lives are on the line at this point and so Sherlock's going to go in and try to figure out what's going on and he needs Watson to be on hand to send for help so what happens next
1: so Watson just kind of stands outside like a dumbass just looking through the window really just <laughs> attracting a lot of attention to himself he's not very discreet uh finally Holmes gives him a thumbs up and then Watson Goes off to get help.
0: Shuffles off into the night. Also, this would be me because you'd tell me, like, you'd give me a whole thing about, like, okay, this is really important, Anya. I need you to go do this. And I'd be like, yeah, totally. And then I'd be looking in the window like, wait, what did he say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it was important, but I don't remember what it was.
1: <laughs> is this the point where Sherlock actually matches the splinter from the blanket to one of the chairs? Yeah,
0: he knew that the chair was going to be Louis the 15th. So he goes up to it, puts the splinter in where it was chipped off, and he's like, "All right." Then in a in kind of a fun move, he smashes a vase. And not so, the phone vase, not the phone base, but basically it's it's it, he's trying to attract attention.
1: And so the guy who's running the antique shop takes out his special book phone which is a phone in the shape of a book, and he calls down to the bad guy to let him know there's trouble upstairs.
0: Because now Sherlock, he's not just... So not, wait,
1: there's a book phone.
0: The, okay, that's fair. There is a book phone.
1: Let's not breeze past that. <laughs> what do you... <laughs> they have a phone in the shape of a vase. They have a phone in the shape of a book.
0: So they got the vase phone. They got the book phone. Why? And it's...
1: Explain it. Do they, Why?
0: Okay, maybe the main guy, the main, the big bad guy... Hates the look of phones. So he wants the functionality of a phone, but the look of another object.
1: <laughs> oh, you're reaching, baby.
0: I, I, I'm I, not saying that's normal. I'm just trying to explain it. Because the second you have to call someone, they're going to know it's a phone.
1: The jig is up. Everybody knows.
0: Is it to lure people in and then if they, you attack them, they can't find the phone? <laughs>
1: it's because it, it's not... Everybody has a phone, so it's not like I don't want to let people know I have a phone.
0: I'm embarrassed. <laughs> I'm a little bashful about my phone. It's a little small and it's hidden in a vase. <laughs> so I kind of, I kind of, I know it's inept, but I kind of enjoy Sherlock freaking out about this because he's, his big problem is the fact that he's saying that the. He's saying that the Vase is from the Tang Dynasty, not the Ming Dynasty. Now that's kind of odd because my very it was
1: actually from the Minute Maid dynasty. Or was it the Sunny Delight dynasty? Go ahead. I'm I'm
0: shaking my damn head <laughs> at that. I was about to give you some real insights.
1: Oh, I'm sorry I interrupted. And
0: that's what you come up with <laughs> juice jokes? You got the juice?
1: I got the juice. You're
0: a you're a juice head.
1: <laughs> Go ahead.
0: Well, if my years old AP World History knowledge serves me well, Tang Dynasty would be older than Ming.
1: I think the juice jokes were better.
0: <laughs> so, it, Tang Tang is older than Ming. Maybe that there maybe there's a proliferation of Tang vases. What do I know? You're right. The juice jokes were better.
1: Yeah, they were.
0: Just don't rat me out to the Sunny D Emperor. <laughs> Did you have a favorite of those juices? Tang. Why was your favorite Tang?
1: Uh, I like the powdered drinks because then you can put as much powder in as you like in order to make the taste as strong as you like.
0: Blech. Um. So you. you so, so what
1: I would sometimes do. Oh God. Well, I, I no.
0: Tell us. Tell us. Tell us. Tell us this horror.
1: You get a container of Tang powder, which, Snort it up your nose. Yeah, you could eat it as a candy, just with a spoon. I was known to do that. But also, you could just open up the Tang, the complete container, and just put in a little bit of water and shake it up, and you get Tang sludge that was just delicious.
0: I'm gonna vomit. That's disgusting. That's <laughs> like that's like 1970s, 1980s kid nightmares.
1: No, it was the stuff of dreams. Oh, no, Jesus.
0: I feel like I feel like if you were in this you'd be you and I would be in the corner of the store just looking at some dumb shit and you would hear Sherlock yelling at the manager and you would hear him say, Tang, tang, and you'd be running over. <laughs> oh, can I have some? Everybody loves Tang. And then you'd crash through the secret door and the whole plot would be revealed. So I'd be like the Kool-Aid man? You'd be like the Kool-Aid man? Oh, oh, what does he always say? What does he say? All right. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Oh, yeah.
1: (laughs) You'd save the free world. So what was your favorite orange drink?
0: Normal orange juice. I drank a lot of Capri Sun as a kid. I'll say that.
1: In the bags? hmm In the pouches. I always hate bag drinks. You're so
0: particular. You, you're eating, like, fucking astronaut sludge, but, oh, a, a, a drinking a bag. Ooh, that's too You're not supposed too to much. drink
1: out of a bag. That's just obscene. <laughs> what the fuck? Who, says who? What am I, Fred Sanford, drinking a ripple? What? <laughs> Jesus. Hey,
0: yeah, you'd be coming over to get the tang and... And would be sorely disappointed.
1: I would be. I would just leave in a
0: huff. Sherlock's certainly in a huff in this. And I, I guess I'm i am struck by how much... Basically, he tries to solve the mystery by acting like the world's biggest Karen. He's just yelling. He's asking for the manager. He's all st- uh, you know, stuffy and pissed off. It's just... And then what happens? So he... Uh, so Sherlock uh, goes through this big sarcophagus... In order to go into the... Are you
1: sure it's not a phone?
0: (laughs) It's a big phone. (laughs) You know that that meme where it's like two astronauts looking at the world and the one in front is like, it's been a big phone the whole time? (laughs) And the one behind him has a gun and is like, always was. (laughs) Everything's a phone in this store. It's actually not an antique shop, it's just a specialty phone store. So he finds...
1: So the bad guy yeah. comes and he is smoking and he's using the matchbook, which he got from Marjorie Lord, which has the microfilm in it, but of course he doesn't know that. And then, and then Sherlock Holmes and the bad guy reveal that they each know who the other is and there's some really dull banter. And, oh, you're a bad fellow. Mm. Oh, you're the bad fellow. You're that level.
0: And it's revealed that this man, this evil man who's been doing all this, his name is Heinrich Hinkle. It's like somebody had to think of a stereotypical Nazi name on the fly.
1: (laughs) Uh, Sherlock reveals that uh, the man who has the microfilm document doesn't even know he has it. So he's being a little bit too clever.
0: Clever, Too clever by half. And he also tells... Tells the man that he, uh, he that the document was microfilmed.
1: <laughs> so he's why is, why is he telling him that?
0: I think he's trying to plant it in his head that the document is in a postage stamp. Ah, because he he talks about like it would fit in a postage stamp, you know. And it's like he's trying to get Hinkle to be all like, "Ooh." So then, uh, Sherlock looks at this big dumb box thing, and then he. Bizarrely, puts a vase in front of it, and then it turns out it's booby traps. So it smashes the vase, and it's like it's just like two guys killing time at this point.
1: Uh, then the uh, the bad guy brings in Marjorie. Oh, but L-
0: but, but but how does that happen? Because Sherlock gets access to the vase phone. Critical move, critical moment in the film.
1: Yes, he gets access to the vase phone. He uses it to impersonate the voice of the bad guy in order for Marjorie Lord to be brought to them.
0: He who conquers the he. <laughs> He who dials up the vase phone controls the movie, as the old adage says.
1: So there's more talk about millions of lives are at stake and the bad guys get the drop on Sherlock. Uh Uh-oh. What happens now?
0: They try to sell him a vase phone. (laughs) They use rough tactics to try to convince him that it's both a stylish and utilitarian option for any Uh home. And then it cuts back to 221B Baker Street where he's dialing up Watson to tell him to get in there because they have another mystery to solve. <laughs> this all was just some bullshit over a a marketing tactic gone wrong. <laughs> it turns out that Grayson isn't even dead. They just sent him a life-size dummy that was a big phone <laughs> that happened to look like him. And then and then it just cuts to Watson's not coming up cuz he's not answering the phone so Wat- uh, so Sherlock goes down and pats Watson and then Watson's headphone falls off and he's a phone too everybody's phones And then Sherlock looks at the camera and says looks like our old friend John Watson's really phoning it in <laughs> Finn <laughs> And that's the end of the picture Good night folks what does actually happen?
1: Uh, they tie up and bind and gag homes and they put, line them up with the, the woman w- in front of some very rare antiques and say they're going to <laughs> shoot them right in front of the antiques. Probably desto- That's going to really traumatize those antiques. It's going to destroy the valuable antiques, leaving money on the table.
0: <laughs> you leaving lots of money on the t- As a collector, were you horrified?
1: There are ways you could kill these people without damaging the antiques.
0: You're more worried about the antiques than the people, I think.
1: Yes. (laughs) But then, of course, Watson appears with some police because he went to get help.
0: What do you think about Sherlock being in a situation like this where he's captured, found and gagged, helpless, and he doesn't even get out of it himself? It's just because his friend happened to arrive on time. The cavalry comes in.
1: It doesn't seem to fit the character.
0: Cavalry. Cavalry?
1: whatever it doesn't seem to fit the character and if you're at a time in your life when you are in a jam and you're oh this saved happens to me like and, once a week and you're saved by nigel bruce yeah that's just humiliating
0: you're my nigel bruce kevin
1: oh wait a
0: minute <laughs> why you i <laughs> oughta- Sometimes I find myself in the evil antique store of life, and you come in and save me at the last minute.
1: I can't tell if you're trying to be mean or nice. <laughs>
0: Both. So, yeah, I mean, and it's like, yeah, it's it's, it's it's like you have this masterful detective.
1: You could make the argument that before he went into harm's way, Holmes arranged for Watson to get help. Yeah. So, therefore... Holmes was rescued by his own efforts.
0: I think that's fair. I guess I, I like that he, this, this Sherlock t- does care about people and he wants to go, like he, he went in because he wanted to save the girl because he figured that they were going to kill her soon and like time was sort of of the essence in that sense. It wasn't just to get the microfilm, so that was cool. I don't I don't hate it, but it's also, it's, it's kind of, it's funny sometimes how passive he kind of is in some of these movies, even though, of course, he did set... He did set the, you know, the the Watson, Watson out to you know save you know save the ring day. the alarm right save the day, but it's still, it's kind of like hope Watson gets a cab in time, hope Watson can figure out how to work the metro. <laughs> <laughs> Watson could never figure out how to work the metro. Watson would Watson would forget that you have to actually show your metro card on the way out too. Not just on the way in because it's stupid, and then he would get stuck in there and he would become a you'd become a mole person in the tunnels
1: you've got it all worked out
0: well, that's happened to me. <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> do you remember that going to it, you have to you put your card on the way in fine that's what you have to do everywhere, and then you have to put your card in on the way out because it it yes it's oh, fucking so annoying why? Because I'm from New York, and in New York, you just have to swipe on your way, and it's a flat rate.
1: Oh, Lottie fucking dog! What do
0: you mean, Lottie fucking dog? That's the way it should be. No. Yes. No. Why?
1: Doesn't it make sense for the amount you pay to be based on the length of the trip you take?
0: I'm paying taxes to be here. It should be a flat rate. Why fuck me over? Because I have to go farther.
1: So you're saying you should? It's get better charged- for the
0: consumer.
1: It's better for the consumer who's taking a long trip. It's worse for the consumer who's taking a short trip.
0: Well, I took a lot of short trips when I was in D.C., so I was roundly fucked over.
1: No, you were charged fairly. You were charged a lower price for your short trips.
0: It's stupid. You're trying to do, oh, my Mr. Economics, oh, Mr. Macro Theory. I just think it's a pain in the ass to have to fish my card out of my bag when I've already forgotten about it and and swipe it. Then, so you said,
1: that may have taken you as long as what two seconds.
0: I can never Poor find. Anya. I can never find the How goddamn card. How did you card. get through that? Oh my god. Jesus. Next time I'm gonna fucking house of cards you in the <laughs> metro wherever they're together. Because <laughs> you'll be like, Oh Ani, forgot the card again. And I'll be like, <sighs> The one, yeah. I always, I thought the some of those metro stops were pretty beautiful though. Yes. Although terrifying because they had those giant sub, uh, a giant like. Stairway to heaven esque like escalators. I hated those. I kind of loved them, but I was always like, "I'm gonna die on these." Didn't so you... you always
1: expect someone to sit like slide down them? Yes, that's why I hated them. <laughs> you're saying you anticipated that they would they would kill you, and yet you still enjoy it.
0: You know, it's like there's something beautiful about the sublime. You know,
1: about confronting your own mortality.
0: Yeah, it's like looking up at a great mountain. You're like, ah, if I this could kill me, if I climb it, but I shall anyway.
1: So brave.
0: Those escalators terrify me. I hate but them. I love them. I hate them. It's kind of like you feel like a mountaineer. <laughs> if if being a mountaineer was very easy and didn't require like any, yeah, didn't require any physical activity at all. <laughs> so like the opposite of mountaineering. So, so there's a
1: shootout. Yeah. Before the shootout, the bad guy stops and puts on his hat.
0: Oh yeah, and also, the, so yeah, they're about to shoot the girl and her Sherlock right before all these valuable vases and merchandise that could get bullet hole- holes in them. And the police barge in. And one thing that's not, Oh yeah. I, I, w- w- the bad guy putting his hat, like it makes a point of noting that it almost is like, this is what Americans do before they fight. They put on their big gangster hats and go nuts. And they, the, the police end up killing all the, all the bad guys or at least apprehending all of them. And, uh, uh, except for, uh, Heinrich, who gets away. One thing I thought was nice was Watson is ve- seems very genuinely worried for Holmes in this scene.
1: These men love each other.
0: These men love each other. So he was very worried. But Holmes and the girl are safe. But unfortunately, now the matchbook is still out there.
1: So what are they going to do?
0: Well, Holmes is going to get in touch with a senator in order to fix this. Senator Babcock, that is, from the first... From the train ride, uh, who is one of the people who talked with uh, the spy in the first place. Uh-oh. So he's going to go and uh, he meets with Senator Babcock, who immediately starts complaining about divisiveness in politics and how mean his constituents are to him. So, all right. Nothing ever changes. Um, And, and Sh- Sherlock is talking to him about, you know, the, this mysterious document that, You know, the spy might have handed off to him. But then, the big bad guy appears. Heinrich is here. And he holds Sherlock and Senator Babcock at gunpoint.
1: And then he lights Sherlock's cigarette using the matchbook that has the microfilm in it. (laughs) And he gives the matchbook to Holmes.
0: And none of this matters at all. Because... The police are right outside the door, and they immediately come in and apprehend the guy. So even if he hadn't given the matchbook to Holmes, he wasn't going to get away.
1: Yes. His goose was cooked. His
0: goose, Obviously, his goose was cooked. What a dumbass. And then Sherlock acts like a messy bitch who lives for drama, because that's, in fairness, what he is. And while everyone's standing there, believing that the microfilm is in some stamps that senator babcock had because that's what sherlock led everyone to believe at this point sherlock picks up the envelope with the aforementioned stamps lights it on fire i think watson starts screaming (laughs) and everyone's standing watching in horror as this man who they just busted their asses to save lights the hope of the allied command on fire But then Sherlock's like, "Mm -hmm." and then he pulls it out of, he pulls the microfilm out of the matchbook and says, this is what everyone was looking for. Here you go, you assholes. He doesn't say that, but he, you know, basically, basically basically that's what, yeah. And, um, then we end sort of as we, we, we end our trip to Washington sort of as we began it
1: with a drive, (laughs) We're driving on Washington, D.C., which we are told is the very heart of democracy. And democracy, Miss Kane, why it's the only hope for the future. Mm. British and American people will, for their own safety and for the good of all, walk together in majesty and justice and peace. That's what Churchill said in the Capitol building, blah, 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 blah.
0: Yeah, Sherlock quotes Churchill, and uh, it's just funny to have these two characters driving around. I mean, like this is is a silly movie, and they're just extolling the benefits of democracy on this drive, and it was fun.
1: And Holmes deduces that America is swell.
0: Kevin, is this where the special relationship between the UK and the US came from? A visit by a very special man, (laughs) one Sherlock Holmes.
1: So you think he finally healed the wounds of the War of 1812? (laughs) It brought our two countries together.
0: I mean, in the War of 1812, the British famously burned down the White House and caused our sitting president, you know, James Madison, to flee and uh, did all sorts of bad things in D.C. But all that took to heal it was a few hundred years and Sherlock Holmes coming in and giving D.C. lovely compliments. Giving it a great review on TripAdvisor.
1: Speaking of reviews.
0: Well, before we before we start, can I just say one thing that struck me about this film? Please do. If you want to see Sherlock Holmes and John Watson go on, in the United States, a lot of middle schoolers go to D.C. for an overnight field trip. That's a relatively common thing, at least here on the East Coast. If you want to see that this is your movie. (laughs) If you want to see Sherlock and Watson go on an eighth grade DC field trip, this is your fucking movie, man. All of the kind of blame, uh, banal, stupid things about democracy and history and being like, look, it's the Lincoln Memorial. Look, it's the Jefferson Memorial. Look, it's the Washington Memorial. This is, they go on it. I just love it. It's so stupid. So stupid.
1: What's your unvarnished take?
0: Well, what's your on un- before we before we end, what do you think of this whole thing?
1: Uh it wasn't dull, but it wasn't good.
0: You got held at gunpoint during your DC field trip, didn't you?
1: Very briefly.
0: So was that more exci- <laughs> So was that more exciting or was this more exciting?
1: Uh that was more exciting. Okay. It would be hard to find anything less exciting than this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so this, this movie was about as passionate and as enjoyable as the relationship between Marjorie Lord and her clenched-lipped uh, bow.
0: So, but you said it wasn't dull, so how do you account for that? You,
1: things were always happening, not interesting things, and most things that happened involved phones in inappropriate shapes. But it wasn't boring.
0: Okay. So at least you got some phone inspo from this. Yes. There you go. Well, my my varnish take is that this film is fun and diverting as a historical curiosity. Although most of the time it's as murky and meandering as the Potomac that flows through its titular capital.
1: Thanks for listening this week. I'd like to give a special thanks to Kevin T. Greenley, who's no relation to me. He's the guy that composed the great music for this podcast, and you can find him on the web at kevintg.com.
0: You can follow us on Twitter at mystery to me. That's mystery underscore two underscore me underscore. And at mystery to me podcast on Facebook and Instagram.
1: And you can always send us recommendations and feedback of any kind at mystery to me podcast at gmail.com.
0: We're not teens setting up hotmail accounts in the early two thousands, so all of those spell out two as T O.
1: Thanks, Thanks so, so much, much for, for listening.
0: listening.